Well, we've been in a series called Endued with Power, and we're going to continue in that this evening. Luke 24, 44, let's look at that. It's kind of been our starting point. Luke 24, 44. Luke 24, verse 44. said, Then he said to him, this is Jesus, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached to his, or in his name, to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. But Jesus said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Wait for it, or tarry, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so the name of our series is Endued with Power. Uh, we're going to get into the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we're not going to get into specific ones tonight, but um, uh, just uh, covering some things kind of leading up to that. We've been talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that's the gateway to these things. And um, I have some specific things in my heart to preach or to share this evening that just agree with me, because I have a lot of scriptures um, and so whether we need to, I don't know that we'll get through them all tonight or if we'll break them up, we'll just see how it goes. We're not going to try to, to cram them in, but um, we want to get out the right things and um, just believe with me that you know, we agreed. So believe that we're going to get the right things out. Let's look um, real briefly. Let, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. We'll read this because this is where we're going. But... Uh, <clears throat> We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, you know, we've covered in the last several sessions the fact that the gifts of the Spirit are, are the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This was the gateway. This is necessary to, to, in this day and age to walk in these gifts in the dispensation we live in, the church age or the age of grace. We, uh, the Holy Spirit is on the earth. He would come on people, but He indwells us and He is moving on the earth. And we need to understand the way he works and what he's doing on the earth. He hasn't changed his methods. He hasn't changed the way, God has not changed the way he's operating in this age. Um, since the Holy Spirit came on the earth, the method of operation is the same. Even though it was 2,000 years ago almost, it's the same. Now before that, there was different operation. Before Jesus came, you know, things were different. But we live in the age of the church. The Spirit of God is on the earth, and He indwells believers, and He comes on believers to be a witness. And so we're going to be getting into these gifts. We're going to talk about um, something more general this evening, but let's just read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So Paul is saying here, I don't want you to be uh, ignorant or uh, you know, not know about these things, not informed. And there's a whole lot of the church 
that is uninformed of spiritual gifts. The reason we're preaching on these, number one, we believe this is where God would have us to be right now, but when you hear the word on a certain subject, it builds faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If we don't know, you know, if you had never heard that Jesus was the healer, you, you couldn't have faith for him to be the healer. When you hear that, that faith comes in your heart, and you can believe that he can heal, and that he could heal you. Well, these are very, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, and the moving of the Spirit is very real. And so we, as, we, as we hear about these things, it builds faith. And God can then use us more in these areas because we're aware of them. We believe in them. You can know about them, but if you don't believe that God can do anything with you, well, that might be for somebody else or some other part of the world, but not here in the United States and not through me, then, then you're not going to have them either. But if we'll receive the Word as the Word of God and as for us today, then we can walk in these things. Amen. We can. Each person can walk in these things. Now, it's as the Spirit wills, but, uh, you know, He's willing more than, we're, than people, the church as a whole is seeing. There's a whole lot of the church He's willing, but uh, the church isn't flowing with Him. And we want to be ready. We want to be, we want to be in the place where if He's willing, we're ready. Use me. Right? All right, let's get into these things. We're not going get, to get through. So I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through these, but, uh, but I wanted to read you that first statement. But it goes through these different gifts, and we're going to get into those, all the different gifts of the Spirit. And um, we you will get into those individually and what they are and give examples of them. Tonight, I want to, let's go to John, or let's put it up on the screen for the sake of time. John 14, verse 12. Just get into this. John 14, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than, he than these he will do because I go to my Father. Let's read that again. Read this without any religious glasses on. And even if you've heard it, look at it as if it's the first time you're seeing it, and it's absolute fact. Now, we know that with our head, but look at it. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus, he's speaking to us, because we're disciples and this has been passed down to us. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Notice it says, I say to you, he who believes in me. Did that say the apostle specifically? Did it say, is there any classification there other than he who believes in me? Well, ask yourself the question tonight, do you believe in him? Okay, then we qualify. Now notice the next part of it. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now stop right there. We could go through, and we're not going to take the time to look at individual cases tonight, but if you just read through the Gospels and see all the works, the miracles that Jesus performed, and he just said, he who believes in me, those works you will, that person will do also, that right there is amazing. Most people do not believe that. He said, he who believes in me, the same works he was doing, that person will do. Now, we need to take that as fact. This isn't passed away. We're going to be going through some things. It's not passed away. This is for us now. God is not waiting. He's not waiting, you know, for 2022. We're in 2020 already. 
Uh, yes, the, God does move in waves in different ways where stuff starts popping up, but even so, there's certain times when it's because people are getting a hold of stuff. He does do certain things in the earth, but His Word is always true, and He will always do what His Word says. And we're ripe for it in the earth. I mean, what, is, what would God be waiting for? One thing He's waiting for is He's not waiting like He's just withholding. God is willing like He is in every area. It's for us to take a hold of what He's already said. Believe it. Act on it. Act like it's true. I mean, if you're just going to take this one verse and go home and actually believe it, this would revolutionize any person's life on the, on the face of the earth. But notice, he didn't stop there. The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do. Well, the only way that can really be possible is when you're taking uh, the cumulative effect of a lot of people doing it. Because what are you going to do more than Jesus did? You're going to feed even more people? You know, he, rose, he raised people from the dead. I mean, what are you going to do? He healed every kind of sickness and disease. So, but as a whole, if that's happening all over the world... Well, that's greater. In magnitude, in quantity, not necessarily in quality. It says, because I go to my Father. So he left, and so that we could be doing the works. That's for us now. Everybody say, that's for me. I can do the works Jesus did. Today. Let's read the rest of this. Verse 13 says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, we're not going to dive into this part uh, now. We spent a whole series last year uh, called um, In His Name, and we got into this a lot. But you need to understand, whatever you, it says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Jesus is saying, whatever you do in my name or in my authority, because He's gone to His Father, because we're the church, that's how we're doing it. It's not because we're so great, it's because of what he has done and what he has purchased. That I will do, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, verse 13, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now that's part of this. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. That's as the Spirit wills, but you're doing it in his name. You're doing it as if he were here doing it. That's what's been going on this whole time. Now we're going to get into some of these things. Jesus was walking on the earth, not as God. He is God, and he, but he came as a man. We're going to look at this. But the way he was doing these things is not because he was God. Otherwise, forget it. If, it, if he did everything he did because he was God, you're not God, I'm not God, so we can't do it. If the only reason, in other words, he could do those things is because he's God, then we have no chance. But that's not how he was doing them. And so we're here to do things. He gave us the authority to do it in his name as if he were here. That's how the apostles were doing it. That's how we're doing it. We're doing it as his representatives. And he is going to work through us because we're his representatives. Now let's look at Philippians 2, verse 5. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Bottom of the first page. And I didn't read half the scriptures on that page. So. Praise God. Well, we're going to cover what we need to cover tonight and the next time. But I want you to see these things. We need to know that, the, that these things are for us and why we can walk in them. 
We're going to get into the detail, but if, you just, if, you, if we don't fully understand, this is for us now. We need to know that, because whatever comes after that, what's for us now? Well, if you don't believe it's for now, it doesn't matter what comes after. Because in your head, you're thinking that's somebody else. That's in a different country. We don't see that stuff here. Oh, we may see a little bit, but we don't see it. You guys understand, there, there are, there's revival happening all over the world. You're not going to hear it on the news. But it's happening everywhere. And there are miracles happening. There are miracles happening in the United States, too, but do you see a lot of those on the news? Do you? Don't you think if there's bona fide miracles happening, somebody's going to pick them up? Sometimes they do, and they, but they're kind of like looking at them slanting. You start getting bona fide miracles, they're going to get picked up. They're, they're, it's for us now. In the U.S., in the Northeast. There is no place hard for God. It's God. He's God. Philippians 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it equal, or did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Let this mind be in, in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. In the Amplified Classic, it says, he stripped, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave, in that he may become like men and was born a human being. In the NLT, it says, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. In the Passion Translation, it says, Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory. By reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant, he became human. In the Young's Literal Translation, if you ever read, the, the, the Young's Literal Translation is a good resource. Uh, and you can look up any of these. There's several online resources, but Bible Gateway uh, is a great one. If you go on Bible Gateway and just put a verse in, if you look at it, look at the verse, and then at the, they'll have footnotes, and then at the bottom it'll say, Show in all English translations. And you can click on that, and it'll show everything. Everyone. Now, you can't do that with multiple verses, but you can do it with one. It'll show it, so you can see anything. But Young's literal tri- translation uh, is clunky to read. I mean, you wouldn't want to, like, read that for your devotions, because it's literal. It's like, you know, they don't, they don't clean it up at all. But this is what it says. But did empty himself the form of a servant, having taken in the likeness of men, Having been made. It sounds like Yoda talking or something. You know? It's backwards. But, ha- but did empty himself, the form of a servant having taken, in the likeness of men having been made. So he emptied himself of what made him God. In other words, he wasn't walking around with his divine power and just doing things because of that. We'll see that more. In the Living Bible, Living Bible is a paraphrase, but it brings this out. It says, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, 
taking the disguise of a slave and becoming men. Notice that. He laid aside his mighty power and glory and he came as a man. He's God. But he's, at, he's coming as a man. Uh, let's look at Acts 10.36. Acts 10.36, I want you to see something. Then we'll go back up to Isaiah. Acts 10.36 says, the word, of the, uh, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. This is Peter preaching to Cornelius and his household, but he's in the middle of a... A sermon here. He said, The word of God, which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was, procla which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Notice the, notice the phrasing. How God anointed Jesus. Well, isn't Jesus God? Yeah. But He's not walking as God. He's walking as a man, and he had to be anointed. What does anointed mean? Anointed, I mean, if you want to talk about literal anointing, if I were to take some oil and just dump it on your head, that's anointing you. It means just to smother, to rub in. But when you talk about the anointing, see, the anointing uh, here is talking about the Spirit of God, because uh, it says the anointing with the Holy Spirit and power the anointing of God is the power of God resting on you. When you talk about somebody being anointed to do something, it means they're enabled by the Holy Spirit to do something. It's a spiritual anointing. That's what, when we're talking about the anointing, we're talking about the Spirit, the power of God resting on somebody to do something for Him. So it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Isn't the Holy Spirit God? But notice, notice the language. God anointed Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, with the Holy Spirit. Why did he need to be anointed? Because he's walking as a man. And this is how he was able to do what he did on the earth. And skipping ahead, this is how we're going to do it. So you don't need to be Jesus. You don't need to be one of the twelve apostles. You don't need to be Paul. And we're going to see all of them, if, if we have time. We're going to see people, all these flowed with it, flowed with that anointing, but it's the anointing. It's the power of God resting on individuals. And that's how you, so you don't have to think, how am I going to do it? You're not going to do it. In fact, if it's up to you and me, forget it. We can't do anything. But with the anointing, which is the power of God on us, well, there's nothing impossible with God. Now he can do it. We just got to flow with him. So it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Notice that. God was with him. I thought he was God. He is God. But it, God is with the man, Christ Jesus. He's still God. But like the Bible said, he laid aside his power and glory. He, laid, he emptied himself, and he's walking as a man, and he needs to be anointed by the Spirit of God to do the mighty works he did. In Isaiah 10, verse 27, it says, It shall come to pass in that day 
that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. That's what it says in the, the New King James, because of the anointing oil. You're going to see this in different uh, places here. That, that word that's anointing or anointing oil is fatness, it's prosperity, it's anointing, translated oil in places, but different translations bring that out. But anointing is one way of saying it, and you'll see that agrees with the other parts of Scripture, because we just read God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and the power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So there was a yoke on people, and it came to break that yoke, and we're going to see it more here in another verse we're going to read. That agrees with the rest of Scripture. So, it's a, so they put oil here, but you can just say the anointing. But the oil is a type of... Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. So the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil, or the anointing. Let's read a few more translations, and then we'll comment. The King James, the original King James, the King James is an amazing translation. They, they, they did that in the 1600s. You, other than the fact that it's just hard to read in some places, it is an amazing translation. It is very accurate. So many of these modern translations, they bring in so much beliefs and doctrine that they muddle things up. I personally really like the New King James and have used it just you know, for my whole adult life because it is faithful to the King James. It is word-for-word -word translation, but it takes, gets rid of all the these and thous and the stuff that we just don't use. And it gets rid of some words that meant one thing in the 1600s, but could mean even the opposite now, and so it's confusing when you read it. It gets rid of all that and, and doesn't change the meaning of everything. Wherever possible, it sticks to the King James. It sticks to the way King James uh, translated it, but it makes it more clear for us, but doesn't take liberties of changing the words. So it is, it's, it's very, um, the New King James is very accurate. But the, the original King James says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. In the Passion Translation, In that day the Lord will remove the heavy burden from your shoulders and break off the yoke of bondage from your necks because of the heavy anointing upon you. In the Extended Bible, it says, Then in that day the troubles that Assyria put on you, their burden on your shoulders will be removed, and the load they make you carry, yoke on your neck, will be taken away, destroyed. Now notice it brings out several of these different parts. The, the yoke from your neck will be taken away, destroyed because of the fat or oil, because of Israel's new strength, because of the Lord's blessings, or because of the anointed one. Because of the anointing. You can see the different, it's bringing out several of the different translations, but... The anointing is the power of God resting on humanity to break the yoke of bondage that Satan, the oppression that Satan would put on them. And the, the way that that yoke in people's lives is going to be broken is by the anointed, the anointing and the power of God. Yokes can be bro broken in a moment because it's God's power. Chains, habits that have been there can be broken. 
Uh, people can be delivered from demonic influence or things that are, are, are holding a bondage, can be delivered from sickness and disease in a moment because of the anointing. It's because of the power of God coming on us and working through us. We have the Spirit of God in us, and that anointing, working, we work with that, and it works through us to do what God wants to do on the earth. That is how we're supposed to actually spread the gospel and share the gospel is in the power of God with the anointing. That's how Jesus did it, and that's how the disciples did it. That's how the early church did it. Now let's look at, we're going to go through a few of these. Let's look at uh, Matthew. You don't have to turn to all these, otherwise you, you, know, you can mark them down, but we'll put them on the screen. I want to show you a few examples in Jesus' ministry. We're not going to go to individual examples. We will get into individual examples as we're talking about the different gifts of the Spirit. But we're talking generally about the moving of the Spirit. Let's look at uh, Luke. Let's skip down a few. Look at Luke uh, 4.16 and then we'll go back up. But Luke 4.16, I want you to see this. This this is where Jesus is commenting on himself and he's quoting uh, from Isaiah. And he says the very things that we've been saying. Verse 16, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Actually, hold your place there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I'm going to read. You go back to Matthew, because I want to read these before. Look at Matthew. You don't have to turn there. Matthew 3, verse 13. So this is when Jesus uh, was baptized. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting, alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus was baptized, and when that happened, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came upon him like a dove. And, and there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But notice he was anointed. The Spirit of God came on him at this point. Um. Let's read John 1, verse uh, 32. Skip down a little bit. John 1, verse 32. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Notice the Spirit came on him, and it remained. Now, Then you start seeing Jesus do miracles. Anything you ever heard about Jesus doing any miracles as a child or anything, that's just not Scripture. That doesn't exist. Jesus didn't walk around with divine power, just grew up and, you know, just did miracles. He did miracles, or performed miracles, by the power of the Holy Spirit once He was anointed by God. It's the same thing with you and me. So he did not have an inherent power as he walked on the earth. And that's critical because 
we need to know that the anointing to do these things is on us and will come upon you for certain instances, but without it, you're powerless, but with it, it's God's power, it's unlimited. That means anything Jesus did, like we read earlier, we can do by the will of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's actually the way we are to flow with Him. That's what's supposed to happen. Okay, let's go back over to Luke 4, 16 now. You can see this. This is after the anointings upon Him. Verse 16 says, So He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up, and as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You see what, how that's written? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord upon you is the anointing. And we've had this recently. When you sense that we are, there is an anointing to do certain things, to preach, teach, sing. But then sometimes you can hear, have the manifest presence, the anointing of God fall in a place, and you can feel it. You can sense it. There's been several times in the last several weeks where it's like a blanket. And we need to be sensitive to that, and we need to reverence it and honor it. It's the Spirit of God in manifestation in our presence. He is always with us. He's in us, but that's His power resident. And then we need to be sensitive to why. What does he want to do? Because he can do anything. You realize we are coming into contact. We, again, we, we have the Spirit of God with us at all times. But when he comes on in manifestation like that, his power is present. And we need to be sensitive to what's it for. What does he want to do? And that's the same when, whether we're in this building or if we're out there. The Spirit of God can come on you. The power of God can come on you. And we need to understand how these things work. We're always going to learn and grow, but we need to be aware so we can say, Lord, what is that? And if there's certain things He wants to do, this takes all the pressure off because if it's truly God... See, sometimes we've got an idea, I have to make something happen. You don't have to make anything happen. If it's a real gift of the Spirit, He's wanting to do something, and it's just letting Him flow through us. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to flow. He already knows what He wants to do. His power can do it. Your power can't do it. You know you can't do it. You don't have to do it. But if it's truly God in manifestation, He'll get it done. All we have to do is just flow with Him. Let him do it. But if you shut it down, he can't do it. I mean, he can do things independent, and he does that sometimes. But if he's wanting to use you and prompting you, that means you're involved. That means I'm involved. Now, yeah, he's done certain things just out in the middle, just without, it doesn't look like any human interaction, and he's sovereign, and he can do things and move. But... If he's asking you to do something, that means he wants you involved. That means he's working through you to do something. We need to be uh, sensitive to that. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now we are children of God and we have the Holy Spirit upon us, so there is anointing upon us and there can be an anointing come upon us to do certain things. But this is not only Jesus. 
He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Every one of these statements applies to us too. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now notice this. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? So then they're, they're, they're saying, isn't this the guy we know? Because he's a man. And he's walking not as God, as a man, but the Spirit of God's upon him. He said, the Spirit of God's upon me. And he is entering into operating... In the anointed, he is the anointed one. That's what Messiah means. That's what Christ means. The anointed one. It's not Jesus' last name. It means he's the anointed one. As Christians, you know what that means? We're anointed ones. We're the ones that are following the Christ. We're little Christs. We're little anointed ones. That means we're anointed. That's literally what Christians mean. That's what Christ means, the Messiah, the anointed one. So when you say, I'm a Christian, you just said, I'm anointed. Anointed to do what? What we just read. And the anointing breaks the yoke, and we are his ambassadors. So we are representing Christ on the earth to do what he did when he was on the earth, with his power, with his name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk in this earth as if Jesus were walking. And Jesus walked by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the direction of the Holy Spirit. He didn't go around just doing whatever he wanted to do. He didn't just walk around and decide, I want to do this. Everything you see Jesus doing was because he was flowing with the Spirit of God and, and directing him, telling him what needed to happen. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Talking to Christians, you have an anointing. You have an anointing. 1 John 4.4 4 says, You are of God, little children and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Anything that we come up against, you know, we read in Acts 10, 38, that it, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That's what we're to do, that we have the greater one in us to do that. Anything you come into contact with, God's greater. And he wants to take care of it. Jesus, it says several times, was moved with compassion when he saw people in the situation. And if we'll get in touch with the heart of God, we'll look at people and say, God wants to change this. Now, you can't do it in your own power. You can't just take authority over everything and everybody because you don't have authority in their life. But if they'll yield to you and listen, you can get things done. And if the Spirit of God comes on you to do certain things, if we'll, if we'll yield to Him and, uh, pay, and uh, cooperate with Him, if God's wanting to do something, then we just need to cooperate and things can be done. They, he can set them free, apart from their faith, even if they're not a Christian. Every Christian has the right to everything Jesus bought and paid for, but 
God can move through you and set somebody free that's not even a Christian. You can pray for somebody, and especially if he's leading and guiding you, and they can be set free even if they're not a follower of God, and that's a sign to them that God's real. Praise God. We went through this in, in uh, specific examples. I mean, there's a whole lot of examples in the Bible. You see in Acts, and of course in Jesus' ministry, these people aren't Christians. There's different people that, thank God we can walk in our rights and privileges, but what we have to understand is the signs and wonders that were done are to bearing witness to the Word that it's true. Let's look at a few of them and see how far we get. John 3, verse 1. First of all, look at a few in Jesus' ministry. That may just be it, and then maybe we'll go on. Uh, well, we'll just see here. John 3, verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. Notice, what, this is a teacher of the law, but he's saying, you've got to be from God because nobody can do this unless God's with him. Do you know that's what people are supposed to say? Wait a minute, this isn't normal. Wait a minute, this can't happen. Don't tell me that won't get people's attention. The supernatural power of God will get people's attention. People will say, wait a minute, this is, something is going on. God has got to be with you. There's some power. They might not even realize this guy was a teacher of the law. You know, he, he knew some things and he's attributed to God, but people see some, wait a minute, this is, this is beyond natural. You realize there's people are searching for this. They just don't believe it's real because they haven't seen it. And they've been told it's fiction by religion or that all these things have passed away. So they don't believe it. But when they see it, it's undeniable. John 10, verse 31 It says, then the Jews took up stones to stone again to stone him. You realize at any point, Jesus would have had to lay, he did eventually lay down his life, but there's no way they can take him out. They've tried, they tried multiple times, and this is one of the times. They cannot kill him. Jesus laid his life down. They did not take it. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works or those works do you stone me? So which good thing are you mad at me about? Jesus was sassy. He was in people's faith. You know, he was not, he's not a wimp. He was not cowering. Verse 33, the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. No, he was God. He was a line. It's just too hard-headed to acknowledge it. Verse 34, 
Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, You are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, You are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. Notice what he said. He goes, If I'm not doing what God, what God should be doing, then don't believe me. He's not playing around. He's like, fine, if I'm not the real deal, don't believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works. That you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Notice what he said. He called him out. He said, if I'm not the real deal, if I'm not doing what God would do, then don't believe me. But even if you don't want to believe me, believe what I'm doing because it gives testament for the fact that God's in me and I am doing what he told me to do. That's bold. But that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be walking in the power of God. Period. As Christians, as little Christ, we're supposed to do what the anointed one did. What he would do if he, would, if he were here. We spent a whole long time in that series. In his name. Is it in his name or in my name? I can't remember what I called it now. Anyway, that series that's up on, there's like 13 of them. What? In his name. We're supposed to do what he would do if he were in a situation. Amen. Let's look at John 14, 7. He said uh, a similar thing here. Oh, no, I want to finish this part. Verse 38. He said, but if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Verse 39, therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. See, they tried to stone him, then he got in their face, and then they tried to go get at him again, and he just leaves. One place it said they were trying to push him off a cliff, and he hid himself and just walked right back through him. They could not kill him until he laid down. And even when they tried to get him, tried to get him in the garden. When he said, I am, they all fell back. That was showing, you don't have any power over me. And he said, if I wanted to, this would not be happening. I, there is power that's available to me. No, he laid down his life. John 14, verse 7. said, if you, have known, if you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, I have, been, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do not believe that I am the, or do not, do you not believe that I am in the father? And the Father in me, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Notice, he said it's the Father. It's the power of God through the Holy Spirit that's doing it. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Notice that. He is saying this means something. What he is doing on the earth is for a reason. They are, what he is doing, the works he is doing, 
they gave testament, they gave testimony to the fact that he was the Son of God and is the Son of God. And as his children, as Christians, we're to walk in that same way that what we say is supposed to be testified to by the works. In other words, why believe what we say? It's the Word of God, but it was the Word of God when it came out of Jesus' mouth. It was the Word of God when it came out of the disciples' mouth, which we'll get to next time, but the works backed it up. The works backed it up. Let's read one more scripture and we'll, we'll close and we'll pick this up next time. Go back. Uh, if you can go back, this is way back at the start. Uh, Mark 16, verse 19. Mark 16, verse 19. It's like the fifth scripture down. So Jesus goes up into heaven and says, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he, had, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And then they, the disciples, went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So they went out and preached, but something else was happening. The Lord, through His Spirit, God Almighty is working with them, confirming this is true. It's the supernatural. It continues. Through the anointing, through the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, continues. And it's continued. We're going to get into that, I believe, more next time. We'll go through and show in the book of Acts how this continued and never stopped. Still available today. Still the way the Holy Spirit works today. Still the way God is doing His work in the earth. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.